So please be in prayer for Pastor as he uh, flies back uh, to the Bay Area tomorrow. Well, tonight uh, we are privileged, this entire day today, we have been privileged to have Brother Ed Pearson. And uh, he is the um, uh, Bible Department Chairman at Heartland Baptist uh, Bible College and has been serving at uh, Heartland for over 15 years now. And before that, he's, uh, he was a pastor for 22 years. And so here we have a man uh, that will be standing here behind the pulpit that has over 42 years of serving the Lord uh, in full-time ministry. And uh, we are uh, privileged to have a man of God uh, of his stature here, and uh, not because of just all the years of experience, but uh, if you get to know uh, just even a few moments of just talking to Brother Pearson, he's a very humble servant of God and uh, just cares about uh, right now uh, the place where God has served him, uh, which is sacrificing uh, his life uh, and his service uh, to seeing young people sent out uh, to be laborers uh, into God's harvest. And uh, what, what a privilege, what an awesome responsibility he has. And if you're a young person and um, thinking about Bible college, in fact, even if you're not thinking about Bible college, I'd encourage you after the service, perhaps to go talk to Brother Pearson, go shake his hand, and uh, he'll be happy to give you some information about the, uh, about the school and about Bible college and answer any questions you might have. But uh, tonight we look forward to the privilege uh, of having uh, Brother Pearson preach, and he put preached out of the book of Joshua this morning. I believe he's going to be in the book of Joshua tonight, and we look forward to the message that God has placed in his heart. Thank you, Brother Denny. God bless you. It's a great joy to be here with you folks today. What a great blessing it is to serve the Lord together. Amen. Amen. Enjoyed the song service tonight. Enjoyed your participation in that service and how God is blessed. Enjoyed the orchestra this evening. What a great blessing to have good music in the house of God. People of God singing and excited about serving the Lord being faithful unto him. And I don't know if you realize tonight the songs that we've sung really, you know, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord. And with the song says rejoice in the Lord. He makes, makes no mistakes. And so uh, I, I told pastor I was going to be preaching out of Joshua. And I come to find out today with the men I had lunch with that preachers preached this passage about six weeks ago. And so now you're getting round two. Amen. Joshua 14. We're going to be in Joshua 14 tonight, but round two, and we're going to talk about it. But God makes no mistakes. He knows exactly what's going on. We talked about we rest in thee. We rest on thee. Do we not rest on the Lord, my friend? And then at the same time, we talked about dwelling in Beulah land. And then we found out we were singing about my hope is Jesus. He's the one that's the anchor of our soul. And then we want to give our best to the one that's our hope. Amen. And then understanding we can rejoice in the Lord. And I'm going to talk about Caleb, who did just that tonight. Caleb, the great servant of God. He was not the leader of the nation of Israel. He was a follower and a servant, but God used him in a great way. And I'm sure pastors already shared some thoughts with you about him. But tonight, I'm going to go back to that passage. and going to read those 15 verses and preach for a little while on victorious living. Victorious living. So if you have your Bible, Joshua 14. Joshua chapter number 14, if you would, please. And if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord tonight? going to be reading all 15 verses, ask you would to follow along, if you would please. The Bible says, And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes, And for the half-tribe, again this morning we found out that two and a half tribes stayed on the east side of the Jordan. Verse number three, for Moses had given inheritance on the two tribes and a half on the other side of Jordan, but unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. As a matter of fact, you studied the book of Joshua, you'll find that God gave them 48 cities 
provided for and taken care of by the other tribes, six cities of refuge that they would minister in. And so they did have a place to stay and they were taken care of by the other people in the involvement. Just the same way you take care of your pastor and the staff. The people of God take care of that. Verse 4, it says, For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part to the Levites in the land, save cities to dwell in with their suburbs for their cattle and for their substance. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt or fear. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Why? Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years young. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war." A great portion of Scripture nestled right in here in the narrative of the book of Joshua, dealing with a man that was a good spy, that espied the land and had a good report and decided it didn't matter what anybody else was doing. He wanted to wholly follow the Lord. And he did that during the wilderness wanderings. And he did that in desire to go into the land of Canaan and be blessed of the Lord. And so what we see here tonight is a beautiful picture of victorious Christian living. Living our life for the dedication of the service of God. So for a few moments tonight, I'd like to preach this passage and this joy in our hearts, victorious living. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Many of you are well aware that if you study the book of Joshua, that the first 12 chapters deal with the conquering of the land of Canaan. We know for certain that it was at least five years because we know the servant of God here is now 85 years old, said he was 40 years old when he went to a spy out the land. 
At the same time, we know that perhaps his birthday could have been the next day and he could have been 86. We really don't know for certain. But we do know he's desirous of saying, hey, I feel just as strong today as I did when I went to spy the land. And I'm thanking God for what he's able to do for me. And so we find the servant of God, Joshua, telling the people, and in particular, all the tribes that are there. He says, I want you to know it's time to receive your inheritance. It's time to take over the land that God has promised you. And he says, I want to make you aware of what's going to happen. So he explains in the first part of the chapter the importance of Manasseh and Ephraim and their provision for the Levites. He also talks about the joy of knowing that God's going to provide for everyone in his family. By the way, it doesn't matter how many people were in the tribes, God provided for every one of them. And God is showing the power that he can have for their lives and for joy in their lives. So when he found out that they were going to be involved in taking the land, he decided, I want to talk to him. I want Joshua to know that I want that mountain. You see, he had already seen the land. He'd already been there. He was excited about finding the place that God had for him. And he said, I'm looking forward to going back to what I saw before. You see, he wholly followed the Lord and he trusted God. That word holy means completely. He was completely following God every step of the way among the murmurers and the complainers, among the people that didn't believe in God, among those that were involved in doing their own thing. He said, I wholly followed the Lord. And I'm grateful to God that we see that he'd stepped out by faith and he claimed the promises of God that he gave to him. Now, before I give you the concepts for tonight's message, I'd like to give you a couple illustrations. One being an illustration dealing with the natural ramifications of life and the other being spiritual ramifications of life. What I mean is that spiritual victory compared to natural victory. Can I say it like that? In the ramifications of regular life. So we have natural victory. When I was a boy, uh, I was growing up as a boy, and I was a baseball fan. Forgive me for that, but I was a baseball fan, and unfortunately not an open athletics fan. No offense to you folks. But I grew up in the area of Indiana, and I had followed the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I know the Cardinals were there, and I know the Cubs were there, But the big red machine had taken over in the early 70s, Johnny Bench and all those others, and they were playing ball, and they were doing well, and my dad would take me to a game when the Cardinals would play the the Reds or something of that sort. We'd go and spend time together as a family, and I enjoyed that opportunity, so I loved baseball, but I didn't have a baseball glove. And so I was the oldest of the six children, and dad said, if you're going to get a glove, you're going to have to earn it. Well, I found out that there was a grocery store in town that passed out S&H green stamps, you probably never heard that before. Some of you may understand Kresge and different stores and things like that of green stamps. But what they were, basically, when you bought a product, they gave you a stamp for the money you spent. And you could take those stamps and put them in a book, fill up and complete the book, and then go to a catalog store and buy something. And so I went over to the catalog store, and I saw in the store there that you could get a Rawlings A2000 ball glove for 12 of those books. Now, that's a lot of books, considering there's a lot of stamps in the book. It may not seem like much to you, but I'll tell you what, I was excited about this glove. I had a determination that I was going to get enough stamps to go out and get me that ball glove. And so I made the desire in my heart, and I found everybody around me, and I said, hey, would you help me do it? So I went around to the neighborhoods, I went around to the grocery stores, I went to all kinds of places, and I said, are you going to save those green stamps? No, we're not saving them. Can I have them? I went to trash cans, sorry to admit, I went to trash cans, and I looked inside the trash can. Sometimes people would throw their sacks away. In the bottom of the sack, Brother Justin, you might find some stamps in there. Sometimes in the parking lot, they'd blow away. You'd find them in the parking lot over in the corner. I'd get some Scott's tape, and I'd put them in the book. And I'd fill up that page and the next page. And after about seven months, after about seven months, 
I had determined I'm going to do it. I was dedicated to it. I was so excited about it that I said, I'm going to get this accomplished. And I said, I don't want to just think about it. I want to do something about it. And so I did. And the day came. What a day of jubilation. I was able to go down there to that place. I handed them those 12 books of stamps. They looked at every one of them. And they handed me a Rawlings A2000 baseball glove. To this day, to this day, I still have it. I, I don't play with it much anymore because all the strings are falling off of it and I've done a lot with it. But I have it and I tell my children and I tell my grandchildren about the blessing of going forward. You see, if I didn't have the determination and I didn't have the dedication to do it, I'd have never got that glove. But I was able to take that glove and to be able to play with that glove and spend time playing catch with my kids and grandkids and other things. I just had a great joy in the natural realm. It takes determination to get somewhere. You have to think in your mind, I'm going to do that which is right and appropriate. And then you dedicate yourself to whatever it is for you, whether it's losing weight, whether it's involved in exercise. No matter what you talk about, it takes determination, right? In the natural realm, it takes determination and not just saying I'm going to do it, but dedicating yourself to it. Somebody say amen. amen. Dedicating yourself to it. And then the jubilation of receiving that reward or that prize that you've worked for. Now, let me tell you a spiritual ramification. Many of you are well aware, I told part of my testimony this morning that I got saved when I was 17. I'm thankful to God that somebody came and picked me up on a church bus. They picked me up. I was the oldest of six kids, as I mentioned a moment ago. And I was 17 years of age. And I was too cool for Sunday school. But I went on the bus because there were some girls that invited me. I'm just being transparent with you. I went on the bus... I made it to Sunday school, spent some time there after being in Sunday school for five weeks in a row and being in church on Sunday morning. When the preacher was preaching on one Sunday morning, he was preaching away the truth of God and it was like a hand and his finger was pointing right at me. And God arrested my attention and the Holy Ghost of God told me, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. On that Sunday morning, I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Saved by the wonderful grace of God. Had no idea what it all meant. No idea about what was taking place. And then about two months later, as I was growing in the Lord, they gave me a Bible and said, we need to start going to Sunday school. They tried to disciple me and tried to help me to follow after God. And then I was at youth camp. They sent me to youth camp. And a family in the church said, we're going to pay for your youth camp if you want to go. And so I went. And on the the second night of youth camp at Camp Chautauqua in Ohio, the man of God was preaching. And as he was preaching, God was saying, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to proclaim God's word. And I went down to the altar that night. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I want to dedicate myself to you. I am determined, God, to wholly follow you. I want to be a servant of God. I want to do what I can to tell people about you. And I remember about when I went home and I told the pastor. He went. I went forward that Sunday and I told the church, Brother Denny. And they said, praise God for what he's doing. The pastor said, hey... God's calling labors. He's now called you. You need to be trained for the ministry. I said, what do I do? He said, there are Bible college you can go to to be trained for the ministry. I said, for preachers? I didn't realize that. He said, yes, there are. And so he, he directed me toward, at that time, Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, where I went to Bible college from 1977 to 1980. Was able to meet my wife there. Hallelujah to God. My whole life was transformed. You know why? God took over. When God took over, I was saved by His wonderful grace. Went off to Bible college. When I was there the first year, they had this professor get up and say, Now, this is Old Testament survey. And he began to tell us about the Old Testament, which I knew nothing about. Had no idea. By the way, let me ask you. Are you learning about the Bible like me? 
Are we all willing to learn a little bit more about the Bible? The more we read, the more we understand, the more we find out what God is like, what He's capable of doing. It was a great joy to see what God was doing. And so, and I told you in Sunday school, as I was reading the portion of Scripture in Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, 23, says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And God said, you need to pray for your mom and dad. You need to pray for your brothers and sisters that they'll get saved and get right with God. And so I started praying right then. And I underlined the next verse. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. And that's been my life testimony. I, I am not perfect. I, I, I'm not perhaps what I ought to be, but I'm a changed creature. I thank God for His grace in my life. My desire is to bring people to Jesus. My desire is to try to live a holy life dedicated to God. My desire is to proclaim the truth of God. Even if folks don't want to hear it, I want to tell the truth. I want to manifest the grace of God in my life. And I want them to know about the grace of God. So I begin to determine, God, I want you to save my mom and dad. I want you to save my brothers and sisters. I want you to save them, would you please, God? I want you to, I want you to save my grandma. I want you to save my aunts and uncles. I want you to save them, would you please, God, do that? And what a blessing it's been over the years as I determined... I dedicated myself to that purpose of praying, and then God allowed me to go to them and talk to them. You see, you've got a friend day coming up. And that friend day, you can determine if you want to, I'll pray that they'll come, but you dedicate yourself to knocking on that door. You dedicate yourself to giving them the card. You dedicate yourself to them to taking time to think about their soul because somebody cared for you. And let them know who Jesus is. And I remember going through that process, and I remember as a young boy, when I was 18 years of age, I went off to Bible college, and I never returned home to live. I got married four years later. God put us in the ministry and leadership. I pastored in Georgia, and I drove to Indiana every couple years to see my family. And I tried to plant the seed. I tried to cultivate the truth of God. I tried to let them know who God was, and they need to be saved. My mom got saved. My mom got saved when we went to church. I gave a testimony and mom was at church. The preacher preached. My mom got saved. A couple weeks later, my sister got saved. Then I started talking to them about going to get baptized and things like that. Make a long story short, they all didn't get saved in the very beginning, but I was determined to pray for them. And I was dedicated in my prayer life. I was dedicated saying, God, please save them. I don't want them to die and go to hell. God, please save my family. God, please help them. They need the Lord. And I remember 10 years after I pastored in Georgia. That God said to me, you're going to go for a wedding. You're going to go for a wedding in Kentucky. And you're going to be, in that, you're going to be at that wedding. And you're going to have a funeral of a relative while you're there. And you're going to preach at a church you're going to become the pastor of. Now, he didn't audibly say that all at once. But I got a phone call saying, hey, there's a funeral. And there's going to be a wedding at the same time. Different, and one's the beginning of life, one's the ending of life. And then the preacher said, hey, I used to pastor a church across the border of Kentucky and Indiana. And they just, they just got a new preacher, but they need somebody to preach this Sunday. Could you do it? I said, I would be honored to do it. So I went over to that church and preached that Sunday. Of course, went to the funeral and everything, preached the funeral, and, and, and just realized that people still needed God. That particular Sunday morning, the pastor that they had just voted in changed his mind and said, it's not God's will to come here. And I said to myself, what are they doing? And the chairman of the deacons got up and said, Brother Pearson, I don't know what God's doing in your life. He said, but we'd like for you to be considered to become our pastor. I said, I'm not interested. He said, would you pray about it? I said, why, sure. What, what could that hurt? And I went home that day, and I literally, I really prayed. I was determined, God, I want to know your will. 
I want to be dedicated to your purpose. And you know what God said to me? Are you still praying for your family? Are you still praying they'll get saved? And God moved me from Atlanta, Georgia, to a little town of 512, Trafalgar, Indiana, to minister to a small group of people. And while I was there for 12 years, my family all got saved. I was determined and I was dedicated. It's so wonderful now when I go home for holidays. Can I tell you just a little bit? Can I brag on God a minute? God's not one that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Can I brag on God a minute here? God is so wonderful. We can have spiritual victory. We can have the blessings of God. Not because we deserve it, because He says who He is. I'll tell you what, my friend. uh, I, I was excited to see my family get saved. And then later on, my own children all got saved. What a blessing. Able to baptize them in the ministry. They all got married. And they all married saved individuals. God's blessed with 11 grandchildren. All boys. And the oldest six are now saved and baptized. It's amazing to see the hand of God. And I go to see my family sometimes at Thanksgiving and sometimes at Christmas. And for the last four years, for the last four years, we sat together with family. The last family gathering, we had 38 family members there. And I had the privilege to ask every person in the room, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Three of the young, three of the third generation children and grandchildren got saved that day. All I'm saying is that if we are not determined and dedicated, there'll be no jubilation. There'll be no delight. Because we have not because we ask not. Now that wasn't because of me. It's because of the determination in my heart of spiritual vision. Spiritual vitality brings forth great victory. If we'll trust the Lord. Some plant, some water, and God brings forth the increase. I'd like to go back and show you what Caleb's life was like very quickly and show the parallel to the church here tonight. Look, if you would, at verse 1. Verse 1, we'll see the determination of Caleb. Caleb was a man of great determination. He was determined to follow God. Back in Joshua chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, basically talk about these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. Notice this says, then Eliezer the priest. Can I remind us of something? Eliezer was the priest that took over for Aaron. That means that Eliezer was involved as the priest that took over. He was also the priest whenever Moses died. He's also the priest whenever Joshua dies. We're going to find that in the latter part of chapter number 24, that Eliezer, he lives for a period of time, and God uses him in a tremendous way. And it says in Joshua, the son of Nun, we've mentioned him this morning, did we not? And we know he lives to be 110 years of age, and it said that he served the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his being. But while the wilderness warnings are going on, we find that Caleb says, I'm serving the Lord. So he hears now Joshua say, this is your possession. This is your inheritance. This belongs to you. Listen, I can't help but get happy when somebody else is happy. Amen. Amen? You think about when somebody gets saved, doesn't that excite you as well? When somebody joins the church, doesn't that excite you as well? I mean, in the right respect, in the right way, aren't you happy for the people's lives being changed? Sure we are. So we find that it's time. The war's basically over. Now you're going to claim the victory. Now you're going to go in there and receive the inheritance of the land. And so these first verses are telling us what they're going to receive. And the children of Joseph, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and said unto him, By the way, the children of Judah, that's the tribe that Caleb was from. Judah. That's also the tribe the Messiah is from. What a blessing there as well. But he said that Judah, the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest, thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. 
And so he says, I, I want you to see, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the lamb. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. He said, I told him what was in my heart. I told him my desire. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt to fear. But I, notice this, I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb has this determination to do what was right in the sight of God. You see, Caleb was determined to be faithful to the Lord. To be faithful to Him no matter what. He was determined, I will do what God wants. I will believe God's Word. I will hear what He has to say. By the way, the book of James says, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. You want to know the will of God for your life? Apply the Word of God. You want to know the will of God? Apply the Word of God. That's what we need to do. And so he says, I want to wholly follow the Lord. So he was determined to do that. Psalm 100, verse number 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. I am so glad when I come to Heritage Baptist Church, people are happy about being in church. It's, a, it's great. It's exciting to me. You're happy about being here. Now, hopefully you're happy when we leave, too, tonight. But the fact of the matter is, you're, you're glad to be in the house of God. You're excited about serving the Lord. You're glad that heaven is your home. But listen, let's not keep it a secret. Let's let other people know about the happiness that we have, the joy that we have in our hearts. We find this great determination that he has is that we're wanting to see him follow God. He was determined to be faithful to the Lord and to follow after the Lord. So if you're following after someone, that means you're doing what they're doing. You're following after their instincts. You're following after their leadership. He said he wholly followed the Lord. Look at verse number 9. As Moses swore on that day, saying, Sure to the land where thy feet have trodden, shall be thou inherit thine inheritance and thy children forever. Why? Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. He said it twice in two verses. Here's the reason why you get this blessing. Here's the reason why you have this inheritance. Here's the reason why you get that mountain you espied is because you have wholly followed the Lord. You have been faithful unto God's word. You're trying to honor, you're, you're determined to remain faithful to God. And because of that, you're following after the Lord. He said he wholly followed the Lord. Hey, there's a cross-reference in Numbers 14, verse 24, says this. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. God noticed, listen to me, God noticed a man by the name of Caleb who was wholly following the Lord. He said, you desire to be faithful to me, you desire to follow me, and because you desire that, I desire to give you a blessing. I desire to give you this inheritance, because you're full, wholly following the Lord. He had a determination, listen to me, he had a determination to follow after God. Listen, we all have determination to do stuff, don't we? I need to start cleaning out that shed. I need to clean out them gutters. Uh, I'm determined to, to do this or do that. Have we never said that before? I'm determined to one day start going on visitation. I'm determined to start tithing. Well, I'm aiming to do this, and I'm aiming to do that. Well, quit aiming and pull the trigger. Amen? Just just get involved in jumping in. Determine and then dedicate yourself to it. Being involved in that realm. Being a living sacrifice for God. God, we sang the song, our best. Does God deserve our best? Sure He does. We need to wholly follow the Lord. Don't look at other people and say, well, what are they going to do for God? 
You just wholly follow the Lord. He believed God's word. Listen to me. He believed God's word. He said, I remember what Moses said. Moses said, we're going in. Moses said, I get that. He said, Joshua, you were there. You remember what Moses said? That's what I want. God made me that promise. God kept me alive these 45 years. I want that mountain. He was pretty excited about it. He was determined to get that mountain. Determined to be dedicated to God. And by the way, notice if you would please verse 11. Verse 11 says, uh, as yet I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Now, that's probably not totally accurate. But we think that we're just as strong because we're determined to get the possession, right? He says, uh, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. Hey, times have changed perhaps in 40 years. People might have changed in that area in 40 years. But he knew who was there before. And he says in the verse, If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. If God's with me, I can do it. With God, all things are what? Possible. What about your theme? I believe. You believe God can do something? You believe God answers prayer? You believe God changes lives? You believe God's word is true? You believe God is able to do exceeding abundantly what we ask or think? I believe God. How about you? We find here that he wholly followed the Lord. He believed God with dedication and determination. He did what he could for the Lord. By the way, Caleb remained dedicated to God in discouraging times. Say, so what do you mean by that? Look at the next verse. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Well, that's good. He gave him the inheritance. But when he, when he got the inheritance, there was a reason why he got it. He wholly followed the Lord. Look at the latter part of verse 10. It says, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake his word to Moses, notice this, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, Lord, on this day, fourscore and five years old. So what he's saying is that it was promised, it was promised to him forty-five years previous as they were wandering in the wilderness. And God said, that'll be your possession and for your seed forever. Let me ask you a question. You think you believe God? I believe you believe God. It says so right there in the scripture. He said, he believed God. He understood. He wholly followed God. And he said, hey, God took care of me. God watched over me. And in discouraging times, hey, listen, you ever had discouraging times? You knock on the door, you invite someone to church. Oh, I'll be there. And then they don't show up. You tell a relative about Jesus, tell them about a special friend day, and, and they just don't show up. But my friend, may I remind us that God is still saving people. He's still changing lives. God has directed your pastor. At this time, to be able to have a friend day set aside like you do every year. But a focus upon getting your friends here. Maybe having even enemies invited and make them friends. <laughs> having people come that may not be that familiar with you. That may be curious about church. But if we are not determined to think about it. And not dedicated to doing something about it. Then it won't happen, as Brother Denny said. You'll regret that you didn't have them here. May God help us to be faithful to say in discouraging times. Hey, there's going to be discouraging times in your own life. Times when you don't have that victorious mountaintop experience. There's going to be times in the valley. Things on your job. Things in your family. Things in your finances. There's going to be situations of health. There's going to be disease. There's going to be sorrow and sadness. We're going to be plagued with a lot of things. But he's still God. He's still in charge. And in discouraging times, can you imagine, in times of discouragement, how he went forward for the cause of the Lord? Can I say it this way? Even in times of de desert situations... He followed God. He wandered. Listen, it was not his fault they were wandering in the wilderness. Am I telling the truth? 
It wasn't Moses' fault they were wanting in the wilderness. Because of their unbelief, they let ten people decide for the whole nation. And they wandered in unbelief. And they all died in that generation there in the wilderness. God says, I have something wonderful in store for you. And even in times of discouragement, even in times of the hornet, even in times of no bread, even in times of stinging serpents, no matter what was going on, and funerals every day, all along the way, he said he wholly followed God no matter what. I challenge you, church. Remember, we're going to face circumstances in life. We're going to face situations of life. But God is an ever-present help for us. He'll give us grace and strength for the journey. We need to be determined and dedicated to follow God no matter what. He remained dedicated in those desert times. He suffered with the same people that rejected God. They were not devoted to God. They were carnal people, faithless people, murmuring people. And he was suffering with them in the wilderness. But he still believed God. Listen, I live in this world of chaos. I live in this world of trouble. I live in this world where there's different things going on that I don't appreciate. And I'm not for. But I still love my country. And I'm still praying for its leaders. And I still believe God can save souls. I still believe God can change lives. And I am dedicated to the purpose of telling people about the God that changed me, how he can do it for them. I trust you are as well. Determined and dedicated to what is right. I listened to this orchestra today and heard the choir sing. It takes some determination. It takes some choir practice. It takes some effort. Sometimes it takes a little bit more practice than others than some of the songs you're involved with. But it takes dedication, does it not? Keep practicing, keep laboring, and in just a few moments, it's all over with. They practice and they labor and they put it together to be a blessing to the cause of the Lord and to you and the congregation. And they're dedicated to their service right here in the orchestra, dedicated to their service in the choir, looking at them, smiling and singing and happy about the songs that they're singing. Know of a certainty, we rest on Thee, O God. What a blessing. And yet we as servants of God know God saved us. But perhaps we're not determined enough to tell somebody else about his saving power. How he answers prayer. How he lifts burdens and meets needs. You see, there's no doubt about it, my friend. Because of a lack of faith and dedication of all those that were around him, those of God's people, he was destined, listen to me, he was destined to wander for 40 years with all those people. But he still wholly followed the Lord. I want to challenge you in a world of chaos and turmoil. Be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Be like Caleb. Holy, follow the Lord. He had no idea what his future held. Can I go ahead and say this too? We're going to jump ahead in our mind's eye in the book of Judges. Guess who the first judge was that God used? Caleb and Othniel. Caleb and Othniel. A relative of Caleb. Somebody must have had an He must have had an effect on people's lives by wholly following the Lord. His attitude was right. His spirit was right. The joy in his heart was right. Caleb saw that. And so he understood the great joy in serving God. Amid all the desert experience, though, he remained dedicated to God. Listen, when your heart is dedicated to the right thing, you can endure the desert knowing that God has something better on the other side. We know that heaven's a real place. He's got something better on the other side. At the same time, he's showing us, hey, there is a future for the child of God. He had a promise from God, church. That he knew that Moses said, you're going to have that land. And he said, just as certain as God made a promise to Moses. Now he said, we've conquered this land. I'm in this place, you said. I want that mountain. He was dedicated to it. And then the last point tonight, there's jubilation. Joy, delight, and happiness because of the victory and the triumph that he has in going in there. Let's notice it quickly. 
He says in verse 13, And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kibbizite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God. Do you get the picture? He wholly followed the Lord. I know pastor preached it a few weeks ago, but he still wholly followed the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. We can wholly follow the Lord. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. So we see here the destruction of what's going on. Joshua 15, look on over verse number 14 of Joshua 15, if you would, please. I want you to see this for yourself. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. He drove them out of the land. Sounded to me like God was with him. He believed God's word. He was faithful to follow God. And he was able to drive them out, just like he said, because he wholly followed the Lord. Listen, God wants to do something wonderful to Heritage Baptist Church. He wants to do something wonderful in the life of every believer in this church. He wants you to know that the same thing that happened to you can happen to others you work with. Can happen to other people in the community. Can happen to your loved ones and your relatives. Hey, just as certain as I went out that day and said, I am determined to get as many stamps as I can. I don't have a job. I can find these stamps. I went through the neighborhood. I went through the trash cans. Went through the parking lots. And I got enough stamps to get a Rolling A2000 glove. Boy, I was excited because I knew I was determined and dedicated. And there was great jubilation when I got it. On the spiritual ramification of things, how can you not be happy when somebody gets saved? How can you not be happy when God answers your prayers and you're praying for your family to get right with God? Now, can I tell you, I didn't lead them all to God. But I say, preacher, my mom needs the Lord. I believe, it's, I believe if you'd go see her, she might get saved. Or my dad needs the Lord. I believe if you go see him, you might get, he might get saved. Well, I've already been over there once. I said, I think he's ready. I've talked to him again. I think he's ready. And it's exciting to see the hand of God. Because some plant, some water, but God brings forth the increase. Listen, church. We need to believe that God can still do what he promised he could do. He wholly followed the Lord. Jubilation came into his life. Joy came into his being. He understood what God was doing. Despite his great age, Caleb had great faith. He had great trust in the Lord. He received his inheritance. You know why? Because he requested it. He requested his inheritance. He said, give me that mountain. And he received the inheritance. And he said, the blessings have come to his life. Hey, listen, God's willing to answer prayer. But we have to pray those prayers. God's willing to help us, but we need to step forward and ask Him for it. We can trust God. We can believe God's Word. But we need to wholly and continually follow after the Lord. Victorious Christian living is available for every one of us in this room. If we'll just consider to be determined and dedicated to see the jubilation of God because we have the victory that's coming. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. We can overcome the enemy. We can claim our own inheritance as well. God wants you and I to have mountains of blessings. He wants you and I to have wonderful things. Are we surrendered? Are we serving the Lord? Let's not walk in the wilderness. Let's not walk like the people in the wilderness, murmuring and complaining and criticizing and carnal and fleshly and desirous of things of this world. We should wholly follow the Lord. I'm not advocating anybody here is worldly and carnal, but I do live in the flesh. I'm led by the Spirit, but I know my own weaknesses, and so do you. May God help us to desire to know His Word and to walk His way. To know God's will, you apply the Word of God to your everyday life. There's victorious Christian living. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't let a murmur or a complainer take you down. 
God wants us to have joy and peace and blessing and instruction. Bill Harvey, who wrote many songs and poetry, he said this, Some face the giants of prayerlessness and laziness, and that keeps us from witnessing for the one that set them free. Why not sing, I want that mountain, I want that mountain, and he begins to talk about what God can give to us. I'll, I'll look at my own life, and you can look at your own life, and you can understand we can have the mountain if we just trust God. It's already yours. It was already his. He's just claiming his inheritance. Heaven's real friends. We're going to be there one day. I hope, I hope we're doing our best so we can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You say, oh, I just don't know if you'd say that or not. He said, Caleb, three times, holy followed the Lord. Just be yourself. Do what's right. Be determined and dedicated. And when victory comes, be jubilant about it. Honoring the Lord, being faithful. It's yours. Receive it. Imagine what could happen if you and I climbed up the mountain of God's blessings and we looked at him and said, God, I know the will of God and I want to apply the word of God because if I do, lives can be changed. Somebody told you. May God help us to tell others. Friend day's coming. Friend day's coming. You have a friend? Somebody needs Jesus? Let's be determined, friends. Maybe right now there's somebody in your heart right now that you know needs Jesus. Let's be determined to pray for them, to invite them, be dedicated to that purpose. It might take a sacrifice of time or effort or concern or something else. But you see it happen, and there might be jubilation that day when they're there. And some of them might be saved by the wonderful grace of God just like you. And it'll bring happiness. And they'll think, he's the best friend I've ever had. She's the best friend I've ever had because they introduced me to Jesus. I know I talk a little about the flesh and some about the spirit. I can't save people, only God can. I'm just a servant. Caleb was just a servant. But he wholly followed the Lord. And God gave him great blessing. I challenge you, church. Wholly follow God. Do his will. Apply his word to your life. And who knows what God is able to do. And you'll rejoice in the blessings of the Almighty. Let's bow for prayer. Before I pray tonight, I'm going to ask this question. If you're here this evening and you know of a certainty that you're saved by the wonderful grace of God, you're not ashamed to say that, would you raise your hand as a testimony of God's grace in your life tonight? Yes, many hands are raised. Thank you so much. We put your hands down. I could not see every hand tonight, so I'll ask this question. If you're here this evening and you do not know for certain that your home is heaven, that Christ is your Savior, then we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to show you from the Word of God tonight how much God loves you and His concern for you and the grace of God can be manifest in your life. Would you be honest enough to say, Brother Pearson, I'm not certain that heaven is my home. Would you pray for me that I would receive Christ as my Savior before it's eternally too late? Would anybody like that tonight? Just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just raise your hand and let me pray for you, would you please? Not certain of your salvation. Pray for me that I'm, I'm not saved. All right, I thank you for your honesty. Now let's be transparent, church. Perhaps there's somebody here tonight and you know, you know God's spoken to you. You know there are people you work with people in your family, people that need Jesus. And you'd be honest enough to say, Preacher, God has spoken to me about my effort, about my effort and my dedication and determination to tell people about Jesus. And even for the friend day coming, pray for strength for me, Pastor, that I would I would have strength for the journey to invite them and be determined and dedicated to see some people invited and, and maybe ten people invited that they might come to friend day and be saved. 
Preacher, God's spoken to me, and I know that there are people that need Jesus, and I'm glad that I'm saved, but you pray for me that I'd be like Caleb. I'd do the will of God. I'd obey his voice. And maybe there's somebody you need to pray for tonight. You'd say, pray for me, preacher. There's someone on my heart that I need to pray for and be involved. Would you raise your hand up like that, anybody? Oh, all across the congregation, thank you for your transparency. I'm going to ask you to put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. But tonight, if God's spoken, no better time than the present to react to that and to enact upon that the truth of God. So if you've got someone on mind, why don't you just bow the knee tonight here at the old altar and say, God, help me. Not just to think about it, but to do something about it. To be faithful to pray, to encourage, to see them saved. To let God work in me and through me to see lives transformed. I believe he'll help you. Father, again, thank you so much for the privilege of being tonight at Heritage Baptist Church. Thank you for a pastor allowing me to come and be able to proclaim your word. And Lord, I know just a few weeks ago he preached this message. And, and I don't know what he said about it. But God, I know that your word is sure and steadfast. And I pray, God, tonight in the right timing of God that you might take this message and touch the hearts of your children. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of people that need the Lord. Help us to do our very best, God, to have concern and compassion. To go forth and wholly follow God. You said you're not one that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You said we have not because we ask not. You told us to cast our care upon you because you care for us. God, I pray that we'll ask and we'll seek and we'll knock and we'll be able to do our part, God, to, to have jubilation on Friend Day. And jubilation every day because of your promises. I pray, God, tonight you'll bless the invitation. Speak to each heart, meet each need. Help us to do what we should, God, because it's it's the right thing to do. May you be glorified with the invitation and the response of your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you would, please. Some have already come. A place for you if you need to come as well. As God's spoken to your heart, please respond. Do what the Lord's spoken to you to do. You'll be glad that you did when you stand before him. May God be honored by our intentions and our desire and our dedication for him. May God help us to do what we can for the cause of Christ. As she plays the song, let God have his way in you. Perhaps you've been uh, praying for a relative, a brother or a sister or parents, and uh, you've lost some of that determination because it's been several years. Tonight will be the night to come down to the aisle and rededicate and uh, ask God for that determination to continue to pray and pray for opportunities to witness to that relative, to that loved one. Father, thank you for bringing Brother Pearson and uh, for laying, uh, Lord, this passage on his heart. And, Lord, uh, our church needed this message, and especially in preparation for our Friend Day on October 28th. And, Father, thank you for the challenge, Lord, that, uh, Lord, we need to be like Caleb. Uh, really, there's uh, no excuse. Uh, here is an 85-year-old man, Lord, uh, Lord, that uh, was determined, Lord, to claim the promises of God, uh, Lord, who hold wholly followed the Lord uh, in all his life. Lord, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter uh, what uh, type of society that he was living in and the culture, uh, Lord, he had no excuses, Lord, and uh, he wholly followed, the, followed you. 
And the Father, thank you for that example. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to uh, be equipped over these next few weeks, Lord, with prayer, uh, Lord, with the power of God, with invitations, Lord, to invite all those people that uh, you will that will cross our paths. And uh, Lord, help us to be soul conscious, and uh, Lord, to uh, give the gospel message and to witness, and not even having to wait until October 28th. Uh, Lord, to invite them to a service and to uh, give the gospel to them. Lord, we thank you for the message. Thank you for the powerful preaching that we heard. And I pray, Father, that you'll now help us not just to be hearers only, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.